my take on on purpose and ikigai is that you know I believe that we as humans are inherently social creatures, and today we have uh, you know multiple tribes. Right. Um, historically, I think we all you know historically in the past you had a village and you had your one tribe. Today we have a lot of different tribes, and within that tribe, I think all of us have a character that we that we embody within that tribe. Your role within within that community. You know, within a family, you could be again. You know, you could be the jokester father, or at work, you could be you know, the silly coworker, or or the or the heads down guy who gets it down, or the guy who's always calm, even in the case of an emergency. But we all have this role that we play within a tribe. I think looking for that role within your various tribes is, I'd call it a hack on finding ikigai, because it gives you a sense of purpose within that tribe, within your community. That is venture capitalist Yohei Nakajima, and this is episode 16 of the Ikigai podcast. Find your Ikigai at ikigaitribe.com. This is Nick Kemp with episode 16 of the Ikigai podcast, and my guest today is a venture capitalist, Yohei Nakajima. Yohei describes himself as a connector of people and ideas and also a data geek. And Yohei is the Senior Vice President of Scrum Ventures, an early stage venture capital firm investing across a range of industries in the US and Japan. Yohei, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you on. And we did touch base before this episode. And the reason why I reached out to you is you wrote this amazing article in 2011 on your blog post, and it was titled, What is Your Ikigai? And this blog post really helped me understand what Ikigai means to the Japanese. And as I just mentioned, it was the reason I reached out to you. So before we begin talking about this amazing blog post you wrote, can we get a bit of background? I do know that you were you were born in Japan, but you did spend a number of years growing up in the States. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat about that. So, you know, I was born in Tokyo um, and I moved to the States, Seattle specifically, when I was two and a half. Um, so I grew up in America. Um, I did speak Japanese at home. My parents are Japanese. Um, you know, we, we followed a lot of traditional cultures um, and I went to Japanese school on Saturdays. So I always had Japanese around me, um, but definitely grew up in the States. I went to high school in Japan for a couple of years, which was a pretty eye-opening experience. Um, you know, I, I thought I was Japanese uh, before I moved there, but when I moved there, I quickly realized I wasn't and was pretty labeled American. Uh, but of course, spending three years there, uh, I, got to, I got pretty immersed in the Japanese culture and I, and I understand it much better than before I had gone. Um, afterwards, I moved to California for college, uh, stayed in uh, LA for about a decade, and I'm back in Seattle now. Um, as you mentioned, Scrum Ventures. Scrum Ventures is a fund in the Bay Area that has close ties to Japanese corporates. So I've actually picked up a lot of Japanese again um, in the last couple of years uh, professionally. I hadn't used much Japanese professionally until I started working for Scrum Ventures and was re-immersed into uh, Japanese work culture, which is something I had never been exposed to. So I had a lot of learnings there as well. So I definitely span uh, U.S. culture and Japanese culture, uh, leaning heavily, I'd say, sort of toward the American side. I see. Okay. I probably didn't pick that up on our last conversation. I thought maybe you spent three or four years in the States 
and that you you went back to finish your education in Japan. Do you feel you're American or Japanese? As you know, I have a son who's half Japanese and Australian, and I think because he spent most of his life here, he would probably say he's Australian, but he he does have a connection to Japan. Yeah, do you say you're American or Japanese or you don't really think about it? Yeah, candidly, I don't think about it much. Um, you know, at work, I'm often asked that question, especially working in a, uh, with Japanese people, but speaking English, you know, proficiently. In some ways, I feel more American, right? I, I'm, my English is stronger than my Japanese. I, I've spent more time here. I grew up here. Um, my friends are American. But when it comes to a lot of core things, right, around family and life, I was raised by Japanese parents. And I'd say that a lot of my core values stem from from that. So I say in some senses, I definitely feel more Japanese, um, but in some senses, I feel feel more American. I understand. And when you did go to high school in Japan, were you fully accepted? That's a good question. The short answer is no. Uh, Fortunately, my parents were uh, uh, thought ahead enough. I went to a school called ICU High School in, in Tokyo were about, you know, about two thirds of the students had actually lived abroad at some point. So they had an interesting uh, um, system where it would account for your English and Japanese skills. You could level up and down, but it was very friendly. Um, and I was on, I started on the lowest Japanese level, highest English level. But even then, you know, most of the kids who had lived abroad had only lived abroad for maybe two or three years because their parents had lived abroad. So I was by far the longest um, as far as having lived abroad. And, and I was often labeled American and, and the there was a little bit of picking on, I'd say, um, happening during high school that, that I eventually overcame, but it was definitely a challenging. Okay. Well, that gives us, yeah, some context. But I, I think it's probably a great thing to be a child growing up in two cultures, and it's obviously benefited you greatly in your career now. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it definitely has. And uh, it's, it's been eye-opening working with Scrum and, and being able to be a bridge between the two countries in a work setting has been really, uh, really fulfilling as well. And, and one thing I desperately want to do is go back to Japan and explore the culture more deeply. Having lived there for 10 years, while I lived there, I didn't really have the time to travel a lot. Is that something you want to do as well? You know, having kids who are, you know, half Japanese, um, it's definitely important for me to expose them to Japanese culture. So we try to observe uh, Japanese holidays uh, when we can. You know, my parents are in Seattle as well, close by, so we do it with them. Uh, And uh, before the pandemic, we were traveling once a year to Japan, um, you know, doing the rounds, having having my aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents meet my kids. So uh, we hope to do that. We did, you know, Kyoto, Osaka once, and, you know, we hope to be able to uh, explore Japan as a family. Yeah, yeah, I'm really keen to go back. We had plans to go back this year, but yeah, COVID had its uh, own plan. Now, when I spoke to you last time, I I showed you that westernized version of Ikigai, that diagram that asks you, are you doing something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs, and that you can be paid for with Ikigai being in the center? And you hadn't seen that before. So what was your impression of that? sort of westernized attempt at defining Ikigai? It was the first time I'd seen that. And since then, I've looked at it a little bit. Uh, you know, my gut reaction was was candidly a little bit negative. 
Um, I do think that people find, you know, Ikigai is about finding, you know, to some extent purpose in life or, or a sense of purpose in life. And, and I think a lot of people get that from, you know, I think we talked about this, but being a good dad, right? Or, or having hobbies that you really enjoyed. And I think the idea that you need to get paid for your purpose may limit people from finding their purpose. And that, that was one of my first reactions to seeing that. Yeah, I've definitely heard other Japanese say that, that it's, it's definitely not about making money or getting paid for your Ikigai. That, that should give our audience some clarity. I did a webinar last night sort of explaining what Ikigai means to the Japanese. And when they find out that Venn diagram has, it's not Japanese, it's, it's not made by a Japanese person, it was actually made by someone who had almost no knowledge of Ikigai, they're astounded, they're so shocked and almost disappointed. But once we go through what Ikigai means to Japanese, by the end of the webinar, they've I think, wow, this this is so much deeper and broader and it it makes more sense and I feel a stronger connection to these ideas of being a better parent or being a better person in community or valuing what really matters. Let's begin talking about this amazing blog post you wrote. And you write that there are words in Japanese language that have shaped the way you think and ikigai was one of these words. And I felt you really encapsulated ikigai in this one blog post. So if, if you were pushed to provide a, a one-sentence definition on ikigai, do you think you could do that? Yes, is the short answer, I think. I think it's about a sense of purpose, feeling a sense of purpose. Um, and, and I specifically say feeling a sense of purpose separate from purpose um, because it is, you know, I, I mentioned this, but it is used casually, right? I, I, I can imagine, you know, being on a fishing boat with a friend and seeing the waves and seeing the sun and catching, catching a fish and looking over and saying, wow, this, this really gives me a sense of ikigai, right? The sense of feeling, you know, sense of purpose, living in a moment that makes you feel alive, right? That's, that's what I think ikigai is about. Is, is that it's the sense of having a purpose in life, sense of living, sense of being present. Um, and I think it, it does, tie, you know, I, I think for some people it can tie to your actual purpose in life um, if, if you do find one, but I, I don't think Ikigai has to be that by any means. Hmm. Hey there, Nick Kemp here, and I wanted to touch base and let you know about my new course, The Fine Jury Ikigai Course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. If you are interested in learning more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com. Now back to the episode. It's interesting that you describe it as a sense of purpose. Um, something I discovered, which we'll talk about later, is there's another word, ikigai kan, which is, you know, ikigai feeling or ikigai awareness. Um, and that's really helped me understand it's, it's the feeling of ikigai that you want to experience and that you do experience in these moments where you're maybe connected to nature or you have intimacy with someone. What you write about Ikigai is really interesting because you also describe it as the most honorable and rewarding thing one can do and that it can be the key to a long and happy life. 
And that's something we'll go into detail. But I first want to touch on how there really is no equivalent word in in English. And I often think, and this is what I went through, when I first went to Japan, I became frustrated with words and concepts that weren't easily explained to me or that couldn't be really translated. And now I have this appreciation and understanding that we, we need to let definitions go when it comes to certain Japanese words. And that context is really important. And you, you talk about that, how context is important when we think about ikigai and that you write that we must know the different ways in which ikigai is used. And it has these nuances. And you say ikigai is something that you can have, feel, search for and find. So let's start with having ikigai. How do you know when someone has ikigai? You, you see them and you can tell that they're, they're, they're living their life to the fullest. And it's a sense of feeling you can get from, from seeing them. And it could be anything from just, you know, they could be doing mundane work, but they could be doing it fast with a smile on their face. And you get a sense of ikigai. Or, or they could just be living their best life. But, you know, I think the idea of someone who has ikigai or is full of ikigai or, or you know, and it may not be the direct translation, but when you feel that sense, you, you can kind of see it, right? And I think um, that's something we all, what we all strive for is to you know, not just feel it personally, but hopefully impact others um, in a positive way that, that makes them want to feel it or feel it themselves. I understand. I think we just, we just missed the start of what you were saying, but I imagine you were saying it's someone who's full of life and full of energy. Yes. So someone, someone who is full of life, full of energy and, and is, is living their best life. And it's a, it's a sense you get from seeing them. It's not something that's easily describable. It's, it's something you feel, I think, when you see somebody who is full of Ikigai. I understand. Yeah, so, so in my research, especially with a writer and someone who I like to refer to as, as the mother of Ikigai psychology, Kami Amiko, she describes that there are two ways to use the word Ikigai. And she offers an example that when, when someone says, this child is my ikigai, it refers to the source or target of ikigai. And she's, she's a psychiatrist, so she's framing it like that. And then when one feels ikigai, it's a state of mind or this awareness or this feeling, ikigai calm. And you talk about feeling your ikigai in, in your blog post. Would you like to also touch on that? Yeah, I think feeling ikigai, as I, as I mentioned, is that is that sense of of life that you you know your your the moment kind of makes you appreciate life, and it's it's something that I think we all we all strive for. And again, this can be in in a moment. This can be doing something that you love, repeating, or as I mentioned, it could be something that you you've done for the first time. And I think actually sometimes you get the most sense of fulfillment in life when you do something for the first time which is counterintuitive to purpose because you assume that purpose is something that, that you do over and over. But I think to live a full life is not just to do the same thing over and over again, but to experience different parts of life. Then I caveat that with, again, it, it does depend on the person. I think anybody can feel ikigai from anything. Um, and there's no, there's no set rules on if it's something that has to be done often, if it's something that you do once. 
but it is it is something that gives you an appreciation for for being on this world and that that feeling wherever it comes from i think is is what we strive for and what i think of when i think of feeling ikigai yeah i agree and i also like how you wrote that people who are around other people who have ikigai can almost feel it hinting that it's contagious yeah i i i i guess i kind of touched on that a moment ago but i do think it is it is contagious I think when we're surrounded by people who are, you know, I think full of life, right? It's probably the most direct translation, right? Is it makes you excited and, and happy to appreciate life when you see someone appreciating life so much. And I think on the flip side, I think when when you are around people who seem to not find joy in life, that can unfortunately be contagious as well. But it goes both ways. Absolutely. So I think my audience, Yohei, would be wanting to find their ikigai and and you write about how it's a journey and something you search for searching for your ikigai and it's something i know you obviously went through so would you like to touch on that yeah i think uh, um you know the it's cliche to quote that you know it's about the journey not the end but you know life is life is a journey right there's no there's no um moment that I think you're, you're living toward. I think you're, you're constantly looking to appreciate life as it is. And that constant search is, is life itself. And that's, I think, what I'm referring to. And for some people, right, I think there are moments in life where you wake up and you're just, you don't know what's next, right? It, it, some people call, you know, it might be a, a you know, quarter-life, midlife crisis, or it could just be, you know, a slump that you're going through. Whenever I have slumps, I always remember that that's an opportunity for me to look for ikigai in places I haven't looked before. And then when you do find it, you, you dive into it and you wake up every morning excited that you have something to look forward to. And I think some people, when they don't feel that ikigai, when they wake up and they're just not excited about life, not excited about what's happening during the day, I think it's important to remember that it is, it is about the search. It is about finding it. And it's great that if you find it, you know, find it and get to do it, but not having not feeling ikigai is not a bad thing. It's an opportunity to look for ikigai in places you haven't looked before. Awesome. Yeah, you, you've reminded me of one, one aspect I've, I've learned from Kami Amirko about ikigai is that it's about fulfillment, having this idea you have life fulfillment, and that even in times where life is hard and you're struggling, if you believe your life is moving forward in a positive direction, you can feel ikigai in that moment and it does help you to continue, you know, and, and live your journey or I guess in a sense, you don't really proactively every day search for your ikigai, but you do look for meaning in your life and you do want a sense of purpose and that if we do reach states of boredom or frustration, as you said, it's, it's probably a sign for us to try something new or proactive i agree you know at the, the i think it's called the hedonist cycle the uh, the idea that on average you know we go out, we have ups and downs but on average we're, we're just the same i kind of buy into that concept to some extent to the extent that we do have ups and downs but i think if you you know being a nerdy person that i'm if you graph it out i think the average can slowly increase right over time if you look back 10 years from now has your life on average has the last three years been better than the three years, 10 years ago. And I think I, I look at it, I tend to look at it that way. 
so that even if I am feeling down, I just remember it's part of the cycle to have ups and downs, just like there's a summer and winter. But on average, is, is my life improving? When I ask myself that question, the answer tends to be yes. Granted, I, I feel blessed that I get to say that. Um, but I think it is important to have, have a long-term view when it comes to finding purpose or ikigai, um, in addition to a short-term view as well. It's, it's interesting how we're, we're having this conversation and how we started with this, this idea that ikigai in the West was this sweet spot of finding, you know, something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs and you can be paid for. And, and what we're discussing and, and you're sharing is ikigai will come and go, it will change over time and your life has these ups and downs. And so ikigai is not this sweet spot to try and hope that you'll get to one day. It's actually something we, we can find. And my question is, how do we know when we've found it? Because you write about that. When you find it, you, you feel it, right? Specifically, you know, I think I, I touch on a little a trick that I think works. And this is, you know, candidly a little bit of, you know, my, my take on, on purpose and ikigai is that, you know, I believe that we as humans are inherently social creatures. And today we have, uh, you know, multiple tribes, right? Um, historically, I think we all, you know, historically in the past, you had a village and you had your one tribe. Today, we have a lot of different tribes. And within that tribe, I think all of us have a character that we, that we embody within that tribe, your role within, within that community. You know, within a family, you could be, again, you know, you could be the jokester father. Or at work, you could be you know, a silly coworker, or or the or the heads down guy who gets it down, or the guy who's always calm, even in the case of an emergency. But we all have this role that we play within a tribe. I think looking for that role within your various tribes is, I call it a hack on finding ikigai, because it gives you a sense of purpose within that tribe, within your community. Yes, that that part of your article was what. It made me so happy because it was like the missing piece. I was desperately trying to understand Ikigai. I'd been doing a lot of research and then I found your article. And when I read those last few paragraphs about understanding your role in, in your community, in your personal community, it just made so much sense because we, we have roles and we live our values through our roles. And I think one important aspect of Ikigai is you want to be living your life in line with your values. So if you're a, you know, a playful, loving father, you are that role, you'll have a, a feeling of ikigai. But if for whatever reason you're stressed and you're under a lot of pressure and one night you come home and your kids want to play and you get upset or angry, a few seconds after that moment and minutes, maybe hours after that moment, you'll, you'll have this regret because you've, you've expressed yourself in you know, opposite to your values. So I think this was the biggest takeaway for me from your blog post that, ah, oh, yeah, we have roles to play in our tribes and it's important we find these roles and live them. That's really the best advice because there are many books, like best-selling books, that say Ikigai, the Japanese secret to a long and happy life, but they don't really offer a way for you to find it other than saying eat well, exercise, have many friends. But they don't offer something you can 
really think about and reflect on and think, yeah, what is what is my role in my family or what is my role in my circle of friends or in my workplace or if you're an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur. So that was very, very helpful and it really was the reason why I reached out to you. Moving on, one thing you touched on earlier, and this will probably shock our audience, is that while the concept is important and deeply personal, the word ikigai to Japanese is not actually a special word. It's used in daily conversation, and it's it's not a self-help word. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that Japanese, you know, languages impacted me, but it wasn't something I noticed until much later in life. And as I look back on, you know, the Japanese language, I think linguistics is, is fascinating. Um, Japan, you know, as a sign of Japan is a very, you know, Shinto Buddhist culture. We don't talk about being religious that much in Japan. But what I've noticed is that in these proverbs that are regularly used in the language, um, even in the characters that are used to represent specific words, a lot of the values are embedded in the language itself. And ikigai was one of those words that, again, isn't, I never thought of it as a, an important word. It was just a word that we use, right? Oh, doing this is exciting. You really feel a sense of ikigai. It's really just like, oh, I feel alive, right? That's something we would casually say. But in Japan, it's used casually enough. But, you know, here you, you won't say, oh, this makes me feel a sense of purpose, right? That's not what you say. You just say, I feel alive. And I think that casual use of the word is pretty powerful because it allows people to approach it casually as well. And it's not something that you should stress about whether or not you're finding your ikigai or not. But it's something that, you know, it does come and go. It is, it is casual to some sense. It can be fleeting. And of course, there's a, there's a deeper meaning if you can find an ikigai, in this case, a subject that, that you live the rest of your life, and that's, that's exciting. But to your point, I think the, the casualness of using a word that has so much deep meaning is, is what I thought was really powerful about the way ikigai is used in Japan. And that, that seems to be typical of Japanese culture. When, when I think about religion in Japan, it Rather than belief, it seems to be more custom-based. And Japanese have all these customs that they practice related to their religion. But they never really express, you know, a love for Buddha or a love for any Shinto gods. But they're very respectful in how they maintain these customs. And I know when, you know, parents or family members die, Every number of years, Japanese go back to the grave. They'll, they'll clean it. They'll often visit the grave. And that's, that's a custom that most Japanese are happy to do and, and do, whereas in the West, we don't do those sort of things. Very rarely would we regularly go back to our parents' grave and, and clean their grave, for example. And so I've noticed Japanese do rather than talk about these concepts. And, and the best way probably to observe Japanese culture is to definitely live in Japan, but observe Japanese rather than trying to ask them, you know, what, what, does, you know, what does ikigai mean? What does wabi-sabi mean? But there is this mystique to all these Japanese words in the West, and it's, it's astounding how ikigai has become so popular and 
the number of books. You know, there are people who contacted me asking me to offer a coaching program to certify them as Ikigai coaches. And it, it's quite amazing how, yeah, something that's that Japanese grew up with has become this global phenomenon outside of Japan. And most Japanese don't even know about it. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, that Ikigai has become this almost global craze with multiple books being written on it, people wanting to become Ikigai coaches? And it's even on the World Health Organization website as that westernized framework. It's, it's interesting. I remember re- uh, hearing that TED talk about uh, uh, blue zones where, where people lived for a long time. And, and one of the things that really struck me was that when he talked about exercise, it wasn't that these, these people were, were always going to the gym, but that movement was just part of their daily life. Whether as a community, they often went on hikes. You know, they even mentioned in Okinawa, or in Okinawa sitting on the floor forces an elderly person to stand up and sit down on the floor. And that, that micro exercises embedded into your, your day is what keeps you healthy. And I think the same applies to mental health. I, I don't think he touches on that, but it isn't necessarily about sitting down and meditating for an hour every single day. But I think you can you know, live life mindfully and think of everything that you do as a mental exercise. And when you do, it does act that way, just even thinking about it that way. Uh, and specific to that language, Ikigai, I do, you know, I, I think it's great to focus on and think about it a lot. But my observation of Japanese culture and people and, and the language is that we don't take it seriously. In some sense, we we use it casually. It's embedded into our language. And um, another example might be, you know, the word destiny. Like I don't remember really talking about destiny with my parents growing up. But if something happened, you know, something I thought wanted to happen didn't happen. But response is always it wasn't meant to be. Right. And again, we didn't go deep into the discussion of destiny, but using that language, right. Um, allowed me to understand in a different way than had I just like sat down and studied it, right? It becomes embedded into the way we think. And I think with the word ikigai, it's, it's a challenge because it's not, it's not a word that I feel like will easily just integrate into an English language that people just suddenly start using it. Probably the closest thing I find is, you know, the idea of getting into a flow state, right? It's a little bit different, but I feel like that's, that's picking up a little bit of steam in, in the U.S. So that seems like, something that we could probably talk about a little bit more. It might be interesting to dig into what, what the similarities or overlap between finding flow state and finding your ikigai might be, because I think there probably is. Um, and, you know, as far as coaching goes, I, I think it's great. I mean, any, any effort that people put into learning something and, and bettering themselves is great, but I think it is, it is helpful to understand the full context of it and, you know, take it in a way that makes sense for you. And again, do not forget to do it outside of the time that you've dedicated to doing it. Even if you're going to the gym every day, take the stairs instead of the elevator sometimes, right? And I think the same, same thing applies to people who are looking for a sense of purpose or ikigai. It's great that you, you know, read up on it, do coaching and study it, but the real work happens outside of that time you dedicate it. The, the real work happens in, in the day-to-day conversations. And if you can change a little bit of the, your language that you use, or just think about something slightly differently, or just ask yourself, like, am I happy to be alive? Yes or no? And why or why not? When's the last time I felt alive? And, and asking yourself that every once in a while, I think, can, can have immense impact over the long run. Um, 
on 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 someone's you know mental well-being i think you've just delivered a an amazing amount of wisdom and what you've just shared with us going back to flow one thing i discovered about ikigai is being able to express your creative self and and reach states of flow in in your hobbies or interests or in your work was another way to feel ikigai khan ikigai feeling and obviously to do that we, we need to be present and japanese are really good at being present and and you can see that manifested in the craftsmanship or the products they produced so while there's this big mindfulness boom in the west i think one of japan's or Japanese strongest traits or abilities is their ability to be present and in the moment and they focus on their craft or their work for hours on end. Whereas in the West, we have a tendency to want to talk about what we're going to do and get excited and share it. Japanese seem to quietly pursue their their craft or their ikigai without really talking about it because it's like they want to be present and they want to dedicate themselves to their art or their craft or their work. That's interesting you say that. In, in Japan, the word is shokunin, right? The, the craftsman. And I, and I really do think of Japan as a, as a craftsman, you know, shokunin culture. Right? People really take pride in whatever work they do. Um, one of my favorite stories about hearing my, my friend's parents, I think it was, uh, had worked at a bank for a long time. And, you know, their ability to flip through a stack of yen and count it that way really quickly. Right? <laughs> like, counting bills sounds like such a mundane task, but if you're going to do it over and over again, you might as well be the best at it. You want to be efficient at it, right? And I think that's, that's, that's really beautiful. And I think if you can put yourself, if you can just try to excel at everything you do and you find joy in that, to look for joy in bettering yourselves and whatever that may be, and not worry about whether or not that's a skill you want for the rest of your life, but if you're going to be doing it, try to do it the best and try to get better at it every single day, I think is, is, is pretty important. No, no, I'm glad you mentioned shokunin because I, I did stumble upon the word shokunin damashi, like the, the craftsman spirits. And maybe that's something we can apply to our work, even if it is counting yen bills or doing something that maybe we, we would think is mundane. But if we're present and we have this spirit, maybe bring craftsmanship into what we do, it benefits not only ourselves, but everyone around us. We've been talking for about 40 minutes, Yohei. So I I would like to know, now that you have defined, one way to define Ikigai is is finding your role in, in your personal tribe or community. So what is your role or what is your Ikigai? I mean, the first thing that pops to mind is family. Right. I have uh, two kids that are one in three and they are, you know, my wife and those two kids are absolutely the reason I wake up in the morning. I'm lucky that I, you know, get to work from home. I've been doing it for about five years. So, so quite, quite a bit before um, everybody started working from home, but they're absolutely my, um, the first thing that pops to my mind. But, you know, we talked about work too, and, and absolutely I find purpose in my work, you know, as a venture capitalist, um, I see my role as somebody in charge of deploying resources to project that I believe should exist in the world. And the way in which you do that is to do it in a way that grows that resource, right? So it's a, it's a combination of, of helping founders who want to change the world, change the world, creating 
um, more value out of value. And, and I absolutely find, um, find purpose in doing that at a very high level. And then at a more granular level, right? One of the things I really like is, is making connections, you know, as, as you mentioned in my bio, between people and ideas. Um, I love finding articles and sharing it with founders, find, finding articles that might be relevant to someone and sharing those articles, um, making introductions between two people that I believe should meet. And there's, you know, a few things that make me happier than having somebody reach out and say, thank you so much for that introduction. Thank you so much for sharing that article. And I definitely find purpose in, I guess, helping people in, in the best way I know how to. Now, that, that's awesome. And it's, I, I thought about this podcast thinking, yeah, you take a venture capitalist talking about Ikigai and a lot of people might see that as a contradiction because so many people would associate asking people for money or uh, related to venture capitalism, but again, you have to find your role and how it's more about building resources that have a positive impact and connecting, connecting with people, and forming these, you know, relationships and connections, and sharing knowledge, sharing knowledge that you care about, and ultimately for you, being, I guess, being a loving, caring husband and father, is your your core ikigai. I think. What you've shared with us today gives us really valuable insight that most people won't find in these you know, best-selling books. So I'm going to definitely link uh, to your blog post from, from my website and people can find you at your name, yeah, yoheinakajima.com. That's right. And I've, I've known recently you've put up a lot of content I, I write about what I want to, and I've doing been doing it for ten years. Um, it was really started as an experiment and just sharing what was top of mind. I almost see it almost like a public diary that I know people might read. Um, so the content just really ranges based on you know um, who I am or what I'm what I'm thinking about. But you know I think the idea of a sense of purpose, you know, being ha- finding happiness, uh, these are things that are always on the back of my mind. So I have often. Um, taking time to make sure to share my thoughts on that as well as I as I happen upon them. I'm going to keep my um, eye out on your blog. You'd be surprised how often I return back to your article just to reread it, and and I'm almost wanting that epiphany I had when I first read it because it was so powerful. So I recommend my audience, everyone should read this article, and in a way, it would be enough. That one article would be enough for you to understand Ikigai and then take your haste advice and, and go about you know, searching, finding, feeling, and, and having, having Ikigai. Thank you, Yohei, so much for your time today. I know you're a, bus- a very busy man. I uh, greatly appreciate what you've shared with us. Thank you so much. It was, uh, it was great chatting with you again. And uh, I don't know if anybody can find any bit of any bit of something in, in what we talked about that's helpful to them, that, that alone makes me very happy. This episode was brought to you by the Find Your Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. To learn more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com.